Well, good morning, everyone. Uh, she already introduced me. If you don't know me, my name is Wendell Fole, and I get to serve, as she said, Minister of Care. And uh, we are continuing in our series on prayer this morning. Uh, before we do that, I was just wondering if anyone failed better than they did the week before. And if for those who laughed, that means you paid attention to last week's sermon. If you missed last week's sermon by Robbie, I would encourage you to uh, go online, easternhills.org, and listen to his message. And I'm sure you'll be encouraged by what he had to share. So if I ask for a show of hands this morning for those of us who are in the room this morning who uh, struggle with this thing we've been talking about, with this thing called prayer, I'm assuming that some of us would put at least one hand up. Some of us might even put two hands up. And we struggle with these questions like, how do I pray? And when do I pray? And what should I pray? And does God really hear my prayer? And does it really make a difference in how do I really think he's going to take care of this situation that I'm in? But most of us, particularly those of us who identify ourselves as followers of Jesus Christ, believe and know that prayer is something that should be a part of our lives. And all we have to do is take some time reading the Bible and take a look at it, and we will see that it played a key part in the lives of, of God's people throughout history. So I did a little research, and I have just a few facts. So listen to this. There are 650 prayers recorded in the Bible. That's quite a few prayers. 450 of those prayers um, are, have recorded answers. I believe that all prayers are answered. Sometimes they don't answer the way we like them to be answered, but all of them are answered. Now, the first prayer that's mentioned in the Bible, you go all the way back to Genesis chapter 4, verse 26. It says, at that time, people began to call on the name of the Lord. So Genesis 4, really in the very, very beginning. Uh, the Bible records Jesus praying 25 different times during his earthly ministry. Now, I believe that Jesus prayed a lot more than 25 times. In fact, there's a verse in John chapter 21. It says, Jesus did many other things as well. If every one of them were written down, I suppose that not even the whole world would have room for those books. So Jesus prayed a lot, but we have 25 of those prayers recorded. The Apostle Paul wrote the majority of the New Testament. He mentions prayer at least 41 times. Prayer requests, exhortations to pray, answer prayers. And then I found this, somebody who likes to kind of categorize prayer. Uh, he says there's nine types of prayer. Prayers of faith, prayer of agreement, prayer of request, prayer of thanksgiving, prayer of worship, prayer of consecration, prayer of intercession, prayer of imprecation. That's when the Old Testament guys would pray down curses on their enemies. And then praying in the Spirit. And I'm sure there's probably other categories. It's really a no-brainer for us that prayer is, should be a part of our spiritual lives. But if we're honest, it's something that many, if not most of us, struggle with. Even pastors, to be honest with you, pastors do too. About nine years ago, uh, I said, Lord, I'm, I'm not content with my prayer life. I need to do something. And so I got a bunch of books. And one of the books I read was this one that's up on the screen, uh, 21 Most Effective Prayers of the Bible by uh, Dave Early. And for, for Mr. Early, one of the blessings of that, uh, that he had is when he would actually pray the prayers of the Bible that were recorded. And the premise of this book is that if God answered the prayer and the petitions of people like David and Jacob and Hannah and a bunch of others, he might do the same for us. So I think we can learn a lot by the prayers that God chose to record in the Bible for us to be able to read. 
And I wish I could have had a book available. We were going to try to order them. They're out of print. But you can go on and buy a used copy or you can go to Amazon and download a Kindle. It's a very simple read. And if you're struggling with prayer, it's really, really an encouragement. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a look at a prayer recording God's word that we're going to call the prayer of success. Uh, how many of you want to be successful in your life this morning? Is everybody hand up, I hope? We can meet afterwards if your hand isn't up, all right? I think it's true that every single one of us want to be successful. But I also believe this, that many times the last-ditch effort for us to get to that place of success is this thing called prayer. We'll buy a book. We'll download a podcast. We'll, get, we'll go to a seminar. We'll follow after people are successful. And then when none of that works, what do we do? We pray. And I think that's sad. I think it's sad. After trying and trying and trying to be successful, the last-ditch effort, we pray. So what I want to do this morning is I'd like to take a look at a man who did not believe that was a way to be successful. In fact, the very first thing he did when he wanted, when he needed to be successful with a task that looked impossible to him, he stopped and he prayed. I thought about this. Maybe it was to his benefit. He did not have Google. Ten steps to success, right? Because you can read all kinds of crazy things. All he had was this desire to pray. So we're going to read the text together. It's Genesis 24. If you have your Bibles, you can turn into it. We're going to have it up here on the screen. Uh, we'll look at the, the context. We'll look at the, we'll look at the prayer. We'll look at the results of the prayer. And then some things that we can learn from it and hopefully apply to our own lives. So I want to read Genesis 24, 12 through 14. I've got quite a bit of scripture. It's not a bad thing to read scripture together in church, is it? I don't think it is at all. So Genesis 24, verse 12. Then he prayed, Lord God of my master Abraham, make me successful today and show kindness to my master Abraham. See, I'm standing beside this spring and the daughters of the townspeople are coming out to draw water. May it be that when I say to a young woman, please let down your jar that I may have a drink, and she says, drink, and I'll water your camels too, let her be the one you have chosen for your servant Isaac. By this I will know that you have shown kindness to my master. I want you to think about that. That's a pretty simple prayer. Give me success in finding a wife for my master's son. I was going to say he could have prayed it in King James, but there was no King James back by this time, so it was his own words, right? So I think for us to understand what's going on here, it's important to understand the people who are involved in, in the context here. And there's four people. We'll only be looking at two of them. But, of course, there's Abraham. There's his son, Isaac. Uh, there's his future wife, Rebecca. And then there's this person who prays this prayer of success. And if you notice in the text, he's not named. He's not given a name here. Uh, the only thing we know is that he refers to Abraham as his master. So I think it's safe for us to assume that he is Abraham's servant. So Abraham. Who is this guy named Abraham? Well, he was the father of the nation of Israel. Uh, God called him to leave the country that he was from, the pla a place that he knew very well that he'd grown up in. And he says, I want you to leave and go to this place called Canaan, which was going to be the promised land for the nation of Israel. And God promises Abraham something pretty, something powerful. He says, I am going to make your descendants 
into a great nation, which of course became the Jewish nation. Where do we find that? Genesis chapter 12. The Lord, got, the Lord said to Abram, and for, his name was Abram, and it finally got, it got changed to Abraham. He said, the Lord said to Abram, go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all the peoples on earth will be blessed through you. All the peoples on earth. Guess who that includes? It includes you and me. In fact, we know that through uh, Abraham all the way through, we find the Messiah. That's another whole sermon, but that's a very powerful, powerful text there. It didn't make much sense to Abraham when God says, I'm going to make you into a great nation, because at that point there was a problem. Abraham and Sarah didn't have a kid. They had no children. But by faith, which is what God asked us to do in our lives, no matter what we do, by faith he left, and he did what God asked him to do, and he leaves. Now, we're going to be jumping through the story here uh, quite a bit. But, so we get up to the place where Abraham and Sarah are like, you know what, God, things aren't happening fast enough here. We're supposed to be this great nation. So they take things into their own hands, and Sarah gives Abraham her servant, Hagar, and she becomes pregnant, and they have a child named Ishmael. And if you want to know where the conflict started that continues in the Middle East today, look no farther because of disobedience and because they didn't trust. And so Isaac, finally, we come up to chapter 21 in Genesis. He's born. There's a lot more of the story again. That at least they have a son who can start this great nation. Sarah has died. Abraham was about 100, 140 years old. And his son Isaac is not married. So Abraham says, we need to do something. And so he decides to send his servant to go find a wife for him. So who is this servant? If you notice, he wasn't named here. It's believed by scholars and biblical people that his name is Eliezer. And how do we come up with that name? Well, we jump all back to uh, Genesis 15. I want you to listen as I read the uh, six verses there. Starting, uh, after this, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abram said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abram said, You have given me no children, so a servant in my household will be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to them, so shall your offspring be. Abraham believed the Lord, and he credited to him his righteousness. Now if that sounds familiar, that means you've probably read Romans 4, because it's exactly how we become righteous. It's because God credits, credited to us because of faith. So at this point, uh, Eliezer was Abraham's only heir. And it was a common practice at that time. If you didn't have a, a son to pass it on to, you'd, you'd adopt somebody. Uh, it might be a slave or a servant to become the heir if there was no one else. Abraham thought Eliezer was going to be that because he had no children. But God had another plan. And so what happens is Abraham tasks Eliezer with what seems like a totally impossible job to go find a wife for Isaac. He says, I want you to do this, Eliezer. I want you to travel about 450 miles. 
to the place I grew up with. I want you to find a suitable bride for Isaac. By the way, she has to be from my own distant relatives. And after finding her, you need to convince her to come with you to marry this guy that she's never met. No big deal, right? Very, very simple. Can you imagine what Eliezer must be thinking at this point? This is ridiculous. How in the world is this going to happen? It's impossible. And so he does the only thing he knows he can do. He prays a very simple prayer. Give me success. Give me success. Now, I don't know how to figure out odds and all that kind of stuff, but if you looked at all those things that had to take place for him to find a bride, I would not put money on that bet for sure, right? And I have a feeling that if you're here this morning, you have either prayed for something or are praying for something right now that looks impossible. You're looking at things in your life and you're thinking, I have no idea how I'm going to figure this out or how this is going to turn out. And if you're like me, this is the time when anxiety kind of rolls up into my body. My brain starts shutting down and it looks just totally impossible. And then I could even get to the place at times, why would I even waste God's time by bringing this to him? It doesn't make sense. And if you're thinking that's where you are in the situations you're facing this morning, let's look at happens. Let's look what happens when Eliezer prays. I love the very first sentence of this text, verse 15. Before he had finished praying, then wait to the end of the prayer. Before he had finished praying, Rebekah came out with a jar on her shoulder. She was the daughter of Bethuel, son of Milcah, who was the wife of Abraham's brother, Nahor. The woman was very beautiful, a virgin. No man had ever slept with her. She went down to the spring, filled her jar, and came up again. The servant hurried to meet her and said, Please give me a little water from your jar. Drink, my lord, she said, and quickly lowered the jar to her hands and gave him a drink. After she had given a drink, she said, I'll draw water for your camels too until they've had enough to drink. Everything that Eliezer had prayed for happened. Every single thing. And not only did everything happen that he prayed for, everyone was blessed because of God's answer to Eliezer's prayer. And if Eliezer hadn't prayed that, none of these folks would have been blessed. Think about it. Abraham, he gained a new daughter-in-law who would be the mother of his grandson. Um, Rebecca became an essential part of God's promise to Abraham and, uh, that, so that he might become the father of many nations. Rebecca received a husband who, who was loved and, a, and had a place in the royal line of the Messiah. But I don't think, I think we want to also notice this. We can't miss what the effects were on Eliezer when God answered his prayer. Uh, back, way back when we looked here in Genesis 24, Eliezer referred to God as the God of my master, Abraham. So I think he knew that God existed. I think he knew that he could pray, but there seemed to be a secondhand relationship through Abraham that Eliezer had with God. But something changed when God answered his prayer. Uh, Genesis 24, verse 26. Then the man bowed down and he worshiped the Lord. Has God answered your prayers? A prayer that seemed impossible, and you become overwhelmed and filled with the joy of the Lord. I think that's exactly what happened here to Eliezer. 
It says, the God of my master Abraham, who has not abandoned his kindness and faithfulness to my master. As for me, the Lord has led me on the journey to the house of my master's relatives. God showed his faithfulness to him. He showed that he was real and that God answers simple prayers of success. What are some of the things that we can, we can learn from this simple prayer? I think, number one, prayer is for everyone. I don't care who you are. Who was Eliezer? He was a servant. A servant didn't have much. He didn't have power. He didn't have possessions. He didn't have position. He had nothing. And for reasons we don't know, God doesn't name him in this text. But I don't think that was a mistake on God's part at all. I'm wondering if he, was, he remained unnamed so that answered prayer is not just something for the spiritually elite, for those big important people like missionaries or, or pastors. It's for everybody. Anyone and everyone can pray. In fact, God tells us to pray in every situation. In fact, in, in James chapter 5, he says, is any one of you in trouble? Or is anyone in, is happy or sick? What should you do? You should pray. He says we should pray. And the prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. So if you feel you can't pray because you don't know the right words or you don't have much, please don't let the evil one whisper that to you. Secondly, God answered a selfish-sounding prayer. So really the question we might ask, is it okay to pray for success. I think it all has to do with motive. Lord, help me to be really, really good this morning in my sermon so everybody thinks that I am special and that I am so smart and I am the best preacher at Eastern. No, I won't go that far at all. So the motive is what the problem is. It's the motive. When we pray and we want God to receive the honor and the glory, which is exactly what we saw with Eliezer, he wanted Abraham to be successful, and he prayed it with a right heart. So I think we need to know that it's very appropriate to pray for success. How many of you have heard the prayer of Jabez? It was a little book at one time. Yep, it's quite a book. Listen to Jabez's prayer here. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What does God do? He grants his request. Nehemiah's in captivity over in Babylon. He hears a report of what's going on in Jerusalem, and he prays this, O Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servant who delights in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of this man. I was a cupbearer to the king, and he answered his prayer. I wonder what you need success in this morning. What are the areas of your life that you need success? Maybe it's your marriage. And maybe you need to pray, Lord, help me to be successful as a husband, to love my wife as Christ loved the church, or help me to love and honor my husband so that he can be the man of God that he needs to be for himself but also for our family. Maybe you need success in school and you're struggling and God give me success or spiritual growth or that habit that you can't get rid of. Pray a selfish-sounding prayer, and say, God, give me success. A third thing I want you to know, and I think it's clear from this, is that God is eager to answer your prayers. Before he even finished praying, what happened? He answered his prayer. God was already answering his prayer. Rebecca comes out with the water jar on his shoulder. Even before all of his words came out, 
Can you imagine what Eliezer must have been thinking at that point? Oh my goodness. Look at this. The very thing I trusted him for is happening. I think sometimes we get confused or the evil one confuses us thinking that God is hesitant to answer our prayers. And we got to beg him and beg him and beg him and, and maybe we'll wear him out and he'll finally give in. But that's not the God that we, we serve. In fact, you remember what Jesus said in Matthew 7. Ask and it will be what? It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened. Which of you, if his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? Ask him. Ask him. He wants to answer your prayers. Then one last thing. When you pray for success, give God a specific target. Eliezer was extremely, extremely specific. He says, I want some water, but I also want her to what? Water the camels. How much water would that be? I could try to figure that out. That's got to be a lot of water. I want you to know something in the text. We do not see God being offended by the specificity of that prayer. He didn't say, come on, Eliezer, what are you doing? He did not show, let it get bothered him at all. So, so many times we'll say, oh, Lord, bless me. What does that mean? Oh, oh Lord, be with me. What, what does that mean? He, using Eliezer's prayer, he was very, very specific. When Peter was drowning, he didn't say, oh, Lord, bless me. Save me. He was very, very clear, very, very specific. So when we pray, and we pray for success, just let God know what you want. Prayers for everyone. God answers selfish-sounding prayers for his glory. And we need to be specific. And we need to just ask him by faith. I started by time by asking how many of you want to be successful. I want to ask that one more time. How many of us in this room want to be successful this morning? I'm sure there's some specific things that you've been praying for in your own life. I'm sure there's some things that you're waiting for God to take care of. But I also think... There's some things that we can be praying for that will help us to be successful as the church. Uh, we're not here just to have a nice service on Sunday morning, to hear a nice message and hear great worship music and to see people that we haven't seen for a while. We're here to accomplish something that's much, much bigger than that. We're here to help people to know who Jesus Christ is. So I, I jotted down some things that I want to challenge each of us to be praying for if you call Eastern Hills your church. Because if we're successful individually, then we can become successful as a church and be a church that will honor God and will be a church that helps people to come to know him and will help people to know how much he loves them. And um, so we're going to, uh, we're going to, I'm going to ask you to pray along with me in this. I'm going to ask the band to come forward at this point. And if you would, uh, if this would be, if these things here will be something that you would pray with me, I would ask that you would go ahead and read it with me. So let's do this together. God, may we be people who take advantage of the privilege that is ours and spend consistent time talking to you in prayer. Please join with me. God, may we be serious about dealing with the sin in our lives that keeps us from being all that you want us to be. God, 
Help us to love you with all our heart, soul, and strength. God, help us to love our neighbors, those you have created in your image who do not yet know how much you love them. God, may we be people who share the hope we have in Jesus and the wonderful message of the gospel whenever we can. God, may we be people who are actively involved in the ministries of our church and step out and serve. God, help us to be the hands, feet, and voice of Jesus to those in our community so they may know how much you love them. God, help us remember that when we are successful, it is because of your faithfulness and provision to us. I'm asking that you would continue to pray. We'll put these these statements in the summary that you get on Monday in your email. I'm just going to ask that you be praying those things. I'm going to ask you to, to stand with me. Uh, there is an, an opportunity this week uh, to be, put into practice this thing called prayer. Uh, October 28th, uh, Thrive City Church is uh, putting on a night of prayer and worship. I don't know if you've heard of Restore Syracuse. You can Google that, but Trevin and Grace are a part of that. And it's just an opportunity for you to, uh, to be able to do that. One last thing before we take our offering. Maybe you're here this morning and you have not placed your faith and your trust in Jesus yet. You're still trying to figure out what all that means for you. Well, I'd like to challenge you to pray a very simple prayer of success in your spiritual life. And if this is something that God is placing on your heart right now, you could pray something like this with me. Jesus, help me to know that you are real and that you love me. Help me to confess my brokenness and my need for forgiveness and to believe and to receive you into my life. I want to learn how to serve you. And if you prayed that very simple prayer of success, I want you to know that God heard you and he answered that prayer. And I would love to be able to talk to you after service if you want to slip up front with me. In fact, anybody after service you like to do that, I would love to do that. This morning, as believers, we have the privilege and the honor to express our love and our dependence on Jesus and for all that he's provided for us. I said this earlier, everything that we have is from his hand. Our health, our abilities, our income. And every week as believers, we're given the opportunity to give back to him, to express our gratefulness and our thanks, as well as to be a church that will help others to know how much God loves them. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads with me as we ask God's blessing on our offering this morning. Heavenly Father, we thank you, first of all, that you hear our simple prayers of success. And we just want you to know that we love you so very much. This morning, we take this part of our service to offer back to you a, a small portion of what you've given to us. And we acknowledge that what we have is from you. And we acknowledge that it's from your hand, and we want to say thank you. We pray, Lord, that you would bless this offering this morning, and you would help us to be a church that is your hands, your feet, and your voice. And that, Lord, you would be honored and glorified. So we love you so very much, and we thank you. And it's your name that we pray. Amen. We're going to continue in worship this morning.